Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's Daily Podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready & Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Rebecca Chen. I'm a partner with Ready and Newman, and I'll be doing the conference today. Uh, Shruti, could you start the first question, please? Yes, Rebecca. Harshit? Uh, uh, hi. Um, Hello. Yeah, hi. Uh, thanks for your time. Um, earlier, I had a discussion one-on-one to, uh, with Rahul Reddy regarding my wife. Uh, she's on H4, and she and she got an I-94 expired. Um, and uh, based on uh, Rahul Reddy advice, uh, we applied uh, from Trupla Consulate uh, Dropbox from India, and uh, they have uh, they have called her for interview. Um, so they told to carry the documents like LCA employment letter slash end, end client letter. So, but our my end client letter we are not getting the end client letter from my uh, because of their policy of client. So, but we have a vendor letter and also vendor letter has some. Mm, uh, and uh, uh, given the letter that we cannot provide the client letter as well, I had those documents. Is that is fine or is it definitely H4 extension or uh, they, they definitely require any client letter on it? They're uh, really not and, supposed to request any of that for an H4 visa interview because it's, I mean, they're not even really supposed to ask for those types of documents anymore for H1B visa applications, much less H4, where the only thing they're supposed to verify is that you are still in H-1B status and that you are still married. So they're definitely overreaching. Um, If you don't have the end client letter, I mean, all you can do right now is to respond with what you have. Um, Really, if it is unsuccessful, I would say there aren't many good options at the consulate for following up or appealing a decision, really the only option is litigation, which our office has been doing on 221Gs issued at the consulate for uh, unreasonable delays or sometimes unreasonable document requests. Um, So if it does come to that, you could always contact Stephen Brown in our office who has been filing litigation based on that. But I would say at this time, all you can do is try with the documents that you have. Okay. Okay, only the uh, confirmation letter of employer and uh, this um, vendor letter is fine. And uh, w- if any if any questions ask on 994 expiration, do we need to explain anything? Actually, my wife has a high-risk pregnancy and also uh, low platelets and she went on the injections for 10 months for every day. So I-94 expiration, uh, uh, do we need to explain anything? Depending on, on how long it was, I mean, if it... If she overstayed her I-94, then she probably will need to explain that. And it's probably best if she has a consultation directly with an attorney to prepare for those questions. Okay, Okay. Uh, Okay. next question. Sushmita. 
Hi, uh, Rebecca. Um, this is Smita. Thanks for taking the call. Um, I have a quick question. My uh, H4 EAD was expired in September 2022. And uh, uh, due to some uh, visa issues of my husband's H1 and everything, I couldn't apply for renewal in the time. So I'm applying for renewal now. Uh, will I be able to work on the receipt number now or do I need to wait for the uh, card arrival? Okay, so just to, um, so I understand, it's just the I-765 that was filed late, not the I-539. Was your I-539 filed on time? Nothing was filed, uh, oh, actually. Okay, um, and your I-94 expired in September, and you just now filed the I-539 and I-765? Yes. Okay. Do you know if the attorney um, who filed it, did they include an argument to explain the delay in the filing? No, actually, they are just about to file uh, today. So uh, they, uh, when I I just learned that I'm not able, I will not be able to work on the receipt number. So that's where I got confused, and uh, I thought if there is like any other way that I can apply and uh, work on the receipt number. No, there's no way to be able to work based on the pending applications, especially because they are being filed late. Um, Right now, I would say your main concern will need to be making sure that the gap in the delay in filing is excused by USCIS, because technically, if it's being filed now when the I-94 expired in September, USCIS... Actually, I was in India, so I was not out of status. I was in India. I just came back. So I was not here when oh. my I-94 was expired. Oh. But you re-entered the U.S. and so you. Yes. What is the expiration date on your I-94 now? Um, I only got until July because my GC is right now. It's okay. current, but my husband's labor is still pending. So uh, my uh, I have it until July 2023. Okay. Okay, that's a relief then. So you're not out of status. No, I am not. Not expired then. Okay. No. Um. But if your EAD expired in September, that still doesn't allow you to work based on the I-765 being filed and pending. In order um, for you to get the auto extension, the I-765 would have need to have been filed before the most recent EAD expired. So um, at least you are not out of status. It's being filed while you're in status, but you won't be able to work until the EAD card is actually issued, unfortunately. Okay. okay. And one more question to that. Uh, if if uh, the card is uh, renewed, uh, will I get the extension only until my husband's H1 um, validity period? Yeah, it should match the end date on your husband's H1B, his current H1B. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Sure. Next question. Surya Kiran. Hi. Hi, Rebecca. Uh, this is uh, Shweta. Uh, so uh, I have a question here that I came to States on uh, H4 visa in December 2022. And okay. during the post, I was given the I-94 based on my current H4 visa expiry, which is on seven, uh, sorry, 4th April 2023. But okay. I told the officer that uh, my spouse moved to a different company, I, I mean the employer, in October 2022 and offered him uh, to show the I-797 approval copy as well with the I-94 expiry as uh, September 2025. Mm -hmm. okay. But they so gave you the I-94 until April 2023 based on the date on your visa rather than the end date on your husband's H-1B approval. 
Yes, so I'm currently working on H4 EAD and uh, like to know if there are any other options uh, to get my I-94 with expiry of uh, September 2025. Do you remember to uh, even to Mexico if required? Okay. Yeah, that, um, yeah, that is an, one option if you are okay with traveling. Um, you could go to Mexico and come back um, even if your visa stamp is expired, um, you would be able to, well, no. So your visa stamp must still be valid right now. Okay. So yeah. go and come back while your visa stamp is valid with your husband's um, mm -hmm. 2025 H1B approval notice, plus bring a copy of or your original marriage certificate. And hopefully, yeah, that was just an error, I would say, by the CBP officer this past entry, yeah, they yeah, should have given I, you until 2025. Yeah. Yes, I told him all the details for the port of entry, but still he said uh, I would give it till uh, April 2023. Yeah, so you should be able to hopefully fix it just by another trip with hopefully another, another CDP okay. officer that knows which date to mm -hmm. put. Okay. Oh. So that's the only option or is there any other option? Uh, the only other option would be to file the I-539 application before April, um, because even if it was an error by the CBP officer, unless you can get CBP to fix it from the Deferred Inspection mm -hmm. Office, which sometimes they are open to do that, but um, usually it's more likely to get that fixed directly by CBP if it's pretty soon after the entry, like within a few days okay. of the entry. So if it's that means I can travel by month. Yeah, so you can travel, or if you don't travel, then make sure you file the I-539 before April, that April date. Okay, okay, okay sure. Okay. okay, thank you. Sure. Next question? Muni? Hi, Rebecca. Hello. I have uh, submitted my documents for drop-off on December 9th. 2022 and uh, the online status was showing approved as of December 15th and since then my passports were not issued. I have dropped off in Bangalore for Chennai consulate and I have done that along with my wife H4 documents as well and uh, her passport has been uh, issued as of Jan 9th and but for as of now no update on my case. Is there anything that I can do to expedite or reach out to embassy? I called VFC, they're not answering anything and they are asking us to wait. Oh, um, that is longer than I would think would be normal for them to just return the stamped passport. Um, yeah, I don't really have any other solutions besides just following up with the consulate through their phone number or email, really, those are kind of the only options to try to contact them. Um, I don't, hopefully it's not a situation where it's, it was like lost in the courier service or something like that. Um, if it's just taking them a long time to process them, then hopefully it should arrive soon. But yeah, I would say that's probably all you can do is try to follow up directly with the consulate through their um, service number or email. Yeah, I tried that. I mean, all that they are saying that is the passport is still with the embassy and we had to okay. wait, unfortunately. And how about uh, following up with the uh, congressman? Do you think they can be able to help in my case? Potentially. Um, yeah, if, they, if you have kind of a 
clear reason why you need to get back to the U.S. by a certain date, like a work project that has a certain start date or some health or medical. Usually it's stronger if there is some particular situation you can point to when um, going to a representative's office to mm -hmm. uh, try to expedite it. Um, but yeah, that could help if you go to their website. They usually have a form yeah. or liaison that you can fill out. Uh -huh. I have a U.S. born child with me and he's missing the school. So that could be a valid reason, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you could try that. How about uh, hiring an attorney for... Uh, um, Reaching out to USIs for uh, you know, um, I don't know about that actually. My guess is, in order to do that, you would need to work with someone locally. But I mean, as far as our office, we have not been able to, um, you know, expedite anything through the consulate besides filing actual lawsuits, like I said, for 221 mm -hmm. G. Got it. Okay. All right, ma'am. Yeah, thank you so much. Sure. Navi. Hi, hi, ma'am. Thanks for taking my uh, my question. Mm -hmm. So my like my we have GC, and uh, because of some family issues, we my kids uh, will be traveling back to India. And uh, is there a way to maintain the status of GC? So is there any, I mean, any option for that? How long is the expected trip going to be? So they will be staying there for a couple of years. Okay. Uh, you definitely need to apply for their re-entry permit. Not only them, but are you going to go with them also? No, I will be here. So only okay. my wife will be traveling back. Okay. Anyone who has a green card who will be out of the U.S. continuously for six months or more, you need to make sure to apply for their re-entry permit. It is applied for on the I-131 application, which is the same form used to apply for the advanced parole, but it has another option on there to request a re-entry permit. Um, that, so if you apply for that before they leave the U.S., that's very important. They have to be physically within the U.S. at the time the form is received by the service center. Um, and it's best if they stay long enough to have their biometrics taken. Oh, okay. um, but they don't have to stay in the U.S. the whole time to wait for the reentry permit to be approved. They can travel while the reentry permit is in process because it will also take several months, probably like six to eight months or more. Um, and you can request it to be sent to, you know, a address outside the U.S. or to like a consulate outside the U.S. for pickup. Um, but definitely do that. That's kind of the only way to preserve their intention to reside in the U.S. according to the green card. So I see. It, yeah, it yeah. can be issued for up to two years. So that's, but one after it's issued, they need to make sure to come in before it expires. I see. But is there a choice that if you come back in a year, like, you know, a couple of months here staying here, Will that work by any chance? Probably not, um, because CBP is going to be looking at the travel history and depending on you know the entries and exits, they'll have a pretty good idea whether 
you know, you're actually living in the U.S. and visiting India or whether you're living in India and visiting the U.S. And oh. um, anytime there's a departure of six months or more, there's going to be questions about the purpose of the departure, whether they still maintain residence here, bank accounts here, going to school here, insurance policies here, that sort of thing to show ties to the U.S. The reentry permit is the only way to kind of preserve the, the green card without that. Um, yeah. Okay. And yeah, one, one last question. So in case if they lose the um, GC and if we reapply, because I will be here, right? And I'll, I'll be having the GC. Is that possible to reapply for them or is, is that cause an issue? It can be, but it will by that point go through the consular process um, and it can take quite a bit longer. So they can still get it potentially if they are still under 21 at the time, but it will likely take longer and have to go through the consulate. I would recommend to not lose it in the first place by doing the reentry permit and then coming into the US after that. I see, okay. I see. yeah, thanks, thanks a lot. Shruti? Yeah, hello, um, this is Shruti and um, I, I lost my job last week and I'm on H1B right now. And um, uh, as suggested by Mr. Rahul last week, I had a call with him uh, and he suggested for, to me to go to the H4, like change, apply for the change of status. So I have a question like uh, my H4 is already expired. So uh, do I just uh, need to file H4 extension along with the change of status or just H4 uh, change of status would work? Okay, so your husband's H-1B is still valid, right? Yes. Uh, okay. And also I'm planning to apply H-4 EAD as well, along with my change okay. of status. When does your H-1B I-94 expire? Uh, so H-1B, so technically right now I'm not on job right now. So I have just the grace period uh, for 60 days until March 14th. But I-94 is expiring on September 30th, 2024 on H-1B. Okay. So you yeah. just need to file an I-539 change of status application before the end of the 60-day grace period. And you can okay. submit it concurrently with the I-765 application for the EAD. Okay. And do, do I need to leave the country while it is in pro process or I can stay? No, you don't need to. Um, and one thing to keep in mind that if you're filing um, a change of status application like you would be in this case, if you do depart the U.S., that change of status application will be considered abandoned and it would be denied automatically. So it's not so, like an H4 extension where you can depart and come back and it will stay pending. It'll be denied okay. if you depart the country. So no, no. So my question is if the application is still in process and if 60 days grace period is over, after that I can legally stay here, right? Yeah. Even yeah. if the mm -hmm. approval doesn't come? Yeah, so it will likely take at least six to eight months for it to be yes. approved. Um, but as long as it's filed before the end of your 60-day grace period, you'll be in a period of authorized stay while it's pending. So you can stay here in the U.S., but you won't be able to work until you get the EAD card. And uh, the only two applications you mentioned, uh, I-539 and I-765, that would suffice. Right. There is no separate uh, need for any H-4 application uh, like H4 yeah those are the two applications the i-539 is to request your change of status to h4 and then the i-765 application is the request for the ead based on the h4 
Okay. And another question is, let's suppose if I change back to H4 and uh, if I continue looking for the job and if I get the job and someone is ready to sponsor my H1B uh, during that time. So I can again switch back to H1B after, after the, You can, uh, but it will be a bit more difficult because uh, at that point, because you're just in a period of authorized stay based on the pending H4 application, either um, if a new company were to file your H-1B application right then, either USCIS would wait until your H-4 is approved before they process the new H-1B application, um, which could take several months, like I said, or um, the fast, well, potentially the faster way would be for the company, new company to file an H-1B as consular processing. In premium processing, it could be approved in two weeks, but then in order to activate it, you would need to depart the U.S. and come oh. back in. Um, if you have a valid H-1B visa stamp, then that should be pretty easy. You can just exit, come back in, you know, go to Mexico for a weekend, come back in, and be back in H-1B status, start working right away. If your H-1B visa is expired by that point, you would need to get the visa stamp, um, which can take longer because of appointment availability. Okay, uh, next question. Thank you. Varun? Hi. Uh, so I'd like to ask a question about my, uh, so my current status is H-1B, but uh, there is an employer who is willing to move me to O2 visa. And I'm just wondering, you know, what would be the process for me to move to O2? And at the same time, uh, what are the timelines and costs that would be, uh, you know, allocated to that? Okay. So the O2 visa, that's let me see. That's not the dependent of the O-1 visa, is it? No, it's not. Uh, O-3 is the dependent of O-1. Uh -huh. uh, O-2 is more like a supporting uh, person for an artist who is coming as an O-1. Okay. Yeah, because we have done some O-1s. We haven't done O-2 visas in particular, actually. Um, okay. Yeah. So we have done some O-1s, but not as familiar with the O2 because I believe from my understanding the O2 visa if you're coming as the support of um, an O1 artist then you have to submit along with it the itinerary of their performances um, that sort of thing a schedule of the engagements that they're scheduled to be on. Um, my belief is that you can just file it as a change of status within the U.S. Um, from H1B to O2 on the I-129 petition, but I'm not as familiar with the timing. Um, I don't know if it needs to be within, you know, a certain um, time frame of when the work will start for the O2, um, but most likely for any change of status, you wouldn't be authorized to work for the new employer until the application is approved. So um, right. depending on your expected start date, premium processing would probably be necessary. Got it. That makes sense. And is there a possibility for me to stay on both H-1B as well as O2 and then pick and choose what I want to work on? Not really, unfortunately. So you can't hold more than one visa status at the same time. Um, for the H-1B, there is the option of having concurrent employment, which means you can work in H-1B status for more than one H-1B employer at the same time if they have filed um, a concurrent petition for you. I don't know if there is something similar for O2, um, but it will kind of 
depends. So either you would need both the employers to file H-1B concurrent applications for you and be in H-1B status to be able to work for both at the same time, or if there is a similar option under O2 that both um, employers would need to file for you under the O2. Although I'm not sure if your current H-1B employer would necessarily qualify for an O2 position. Got it. One last thing on that. So uh, if I want to transfer, so change my status, what's the form that you mentioned? Is that I-539? The I-129, actually, for um, employment visas, uh, usually it's the I-129 for any change okay. of stuff. Got it. Thank you. Sure. Manoj? Uh, uh, hi. Hi, Rebecca. Uh, so uh, thanks for uh, the opportunity. Um, as of last week, you know, my position got eliminated in my uh, company. Um, so I am from California. So we've got the Warren Act. So that gave me like two months of, uh, you know, the last employment um, okay. day. The, the last employment day that uh, is actually on March uh, 13. Uh, okay. So for me, uh, so the, I don't know. First of all, I uh, don't know the difference between the termination day versus last employment day. That's question number one. So considerably, I think I am still employed with the company until the last employment day is, my, is, is what is my understanding. Is that true? Yes, for the most part. And that is something that we've heard has been pretty common among uh, some of the recent layoffs, unfortunately. Um, but companies are trying to kind of help H-1B employees by at least prolonging the official termination date to give people as much time as possible to potentially transfer so okay. if March 13th is what they listed as your official termination date, um, you'll, your 60-day grace period will start from there. So you should have until mid-May. Oh, no, no. Wait, I think I'm not on H1. So my oh, case is, uh, the, the following to that is my case is basically, my 485 was applied on September 23rd. Um, okay. So at that point of time, I was current, but from October, October time onwards, it went backwards. Okay. So now I'm no longer current. Okay. Um, but in EB3, I'm current. So I'm already filing my uh, EB3 downgrade. So that's all uh -huh. happening. No, no problems with that. Uh -huh. So, um, you know, company is supporting and then, you know, legal is already taking care of the EB3 downgrade uh, since okay. I'm already uh, current on the EB3. So the question is that my filing was done on September 23rd. The 180 day is exactly March 23rd. So um, I wanted to make sure that if my, you know, last day of the employment is ending on 13th of March, which is just like two weeks shy away. So mm -hmm. wanted to see if that creates any kind of a problems with my, you know, next employer, you know, like taking an employment mm -hmm. with the next employer um, because, you know, technically it's just two weeks shy from the 180 right. day time. Uh, so what would be the consequences and how would I? Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, your current employer is the I-140 petitioner then for yes. both your EB-2 I mean, and I have my I, I have my 140 from a long time, uh, so 2012 uh -huh. onwards. Uh, my priority date is actually 2012, 6, uh, June 2012. Um, but yes, this uh, 485 that currently applied, the current employer filed the 140 along with that. Uh, okay. It's a concurrent file. And they're the ones who are who, the petitioner for the EB3 downgrade also. Yes. Okay. So 
even if your term, even if you're no longer working with the company, if the company is willing to keep the I-140 approved for those 180 days or beyond, then it, your I-485 can con still continue processing technically. The, yeah. It's a bit of a gray area because technically the um, job offer that supports the I-485 application, it's a job offer, not necessarily yeah. <laughs> current employment. So there are right. people whose I-485s are supported by a company they are not working for right now at all. As long as the company is has that job offer for them and is willing to continue supporting the application by not withdrawing the I-140 and continuing to you know sign the I-485J supplement in support of the I-485. So if your current company mm -hmm. is willing to keep doing those things, keeping the I-140s for both EB2 and EB3 approved, letting mm -hmm. them continue for the EB3, it may still be pending for a while if it's just being processed now. Um, if they're not intending to withdraw them, um, then I would say your actual last day of employment with the company isn't as much of an issue. Um, the company is like, for whatever reason, if it were to be looked into in the future, you know, it may just be like a temporary, like if they're, if they say their intention in the long term is for you to rejoin the company in this position, technically that is doable. They can still support the application. Um, but on your side, I probably would not have any new company file a J supplement under AC21 until after those 180 days. I see. So even um, if I and, take a new mm -hmm. opportunity, I should wait for, let's say, you know, uh, uh, 485J, they will be applying after like March 31st or so. Yeah, should... and actually our um, our advice for the past couple years has been that if you are going to move to a new employer based on AC21, um, it used to be, you know, years ago that we would recommend the new company file the J supplement proactively. Um, actually the past couple of years, um, USCIS has not been requiring the J supplement to be filed proactively. If they want it, they send an RFE for it. And so if you do join a new company, I probably would not. I, it's a good idea to confirm that they are willing to file the J supplement if it is asked for by USCIS or if you're scheduled for like an in-person interview for the yeah. I-485, um, we recommend that you bring the J supplement from the new company. So it's a good idea to make sure they're willing to file it if it's necessary, but I probably wouldn't do it just okay. upon joining. Just wait until it's So requested. I think, uh, so I have my EAD. I can just join with my EAD to my new company mm -hmm. without doing anything as of today because my existing company mentioned that they're not going to uh, revoke any 480s okay. or 485s or anything like that, even upgrade or downgrade, whatever they will support. Mm -hmm. um, so the point yeah. is that, you know, if I go to the new company, use a EAD, simply join the company. Don't worry about anything else at this point. Of time. Yeah. Okay. I would so. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Okay. Um, sorry, we weren't able to get to everyone, but we'll need to close the conference here for today. Um, if you do want to speak in more detail with one of our attorneys, uh, our website has a consultation link where you can schedule a one-on-one -on -one appointment with uh, any of the attorneys in our office. And the next conference should be tomorrow at 11.30 Central Time. Thank you. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites, rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day.